Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Dual Podcast. I am your host, Jamila. And I am Kalechi. And today, you guys, we are talking about natural hair. Now, I know hair seems to be a topic that is directed more towards women, but I think we can all agree that, especially in today's time, we see a lot of men embracing, Black men specifically, (laughs) embracing their natural hair and learning different ways to care for it and maintain it. So this episode is for everybody, but we will be discussing natural hair, the stigmas associated with it, and our own individual natural hair stories and why we decided to go natural. So to kick things off, Jamila, tell us about what influenced you to do the big chop. Actually, did you even do the big chop? I transitioned for a few months and then Mm -hmm. I actually cut off my transition ends. So I don't know if that really counts as a big chop, but I did have a big chop like where I cut off all of my relaxed hair. I just had a little bit more hair than perhaps the average person did after doing the big chop. Gotcha. Okay, I think that still counts. What influenced me to go natural? Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I was one of those people that did relaxers by myself. <laughs> Girl, me too. <laughs> yeah, I did relaxers on myself by myself. My mom used to do my relaxers, but then I went off to college and kind of did them on my own independently. But whenever I did want to get my hair done, you know, get my hair slayed and laid, I would go to a salon and they would do it for me. But I was not taking proper care, proper steps. One day, Kalechi, I was in the shower and my edges were falling out. I looked into my hand and there were my edges were. I take my edges pretty seriously, okay, because I have very dense full hair. You know, it's something I've grown to love. It was not always something I loved. I won't even lie, just keep it a stack. But that for me was the final straw. I also kept seeing articles about how unsafe chemical relaxers were. So I transitioned and I really was trying to hold on to that length, but it just (laughs) grew to be so painful for me. And went to the salon, went rogue one day, and I was like, you know what? Today's the day. I cut off all of my relaxed ends. It was April of 2018. Yeah. April of 2018. Um, so I just had my three-year anniversary, is it? Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Three-year anniversary of being natural, and it has been a journey since then. But yeah, what about you, Kels? What inspired you to go natural? Because you've been natural for much longer than I have. Yeah, actually it has been a minute now that I think about it. It's, it'll be six years on June 29th. Actually, that's next month. Dang, that's crazy. Okay. So coming up on six years, I went natural in 2014 when I was a, it was the summer after my freshman year of college. And even before I decided to go natural that first semester, even second semester of my freshman year, I was definitely doing my own relaxers in my dorm room. (laughs) It was a struggle because like you said, you have dense thick hair. I have dense thick hair as well. So if you don't move quickly, obviously I'm not a licensed hairstylist. If you don't move quick, you're really damaging your hair. I would say the main thing that inspired me to go natural 
was the freedom of natural hair. I will say when I began my natural hair journey, I thought I was informed, but I really wasn't as informed as I really should have been. But just knowing that I would be able to do my own hair and I wouldn't have to go anybody to chemically treat it for me. The hair that I'm wearing on a daily basis is the hair that grows out of my scalp as it's supposed to be. I think I was also kind of going through an identity crisis at the end of my freshman year. I just needed something different. My hair was kind of damaged from doing perms myself and not doing them correctly and not really maintaining my hair in between the relaxers. It was just a hot mess. So I literally was doing my hair. I was detangling my hair one day and I was just sick of it because I was transitioning, like you said, trying to hold on to that length and it just was not worth it. So I literally grabbed some scissors and before I could think too hard, I just cut. And by the time wow. I cut, so you did your own big chop. I did my own big chop. Hmm. I did More my own big chop. <laughs> <laughs> More power to you. Uh, I cut a big old chunk off, and by that time I couldn't stop, so I just had to keep cutting. I was actually at U of H for the summer for O team, so one of my roommates had came back, and they're just like, "What happened? <laughs> you did not look like this when I left." For me, I think it was. It came from a place of needing to redefine my identity. And just being tired of chemically processing my hair. Like even saying that out loud, it just sounds insane that that was the norm. Like you have to chemically process it in order to make your hair manageable. When you say it was like the first thing that marked freedom for you, do you think that might have been something that probably kickstarted your journey to just being who you are and comfortable with who you are? Definitely. It 100% was like the kickstart. I would say the rest of me took maybe a couple of years to, to catch up. But when you cut off all your hair, you have no, I, no other option but to come to terms with exactly what you look like with no hair. <laughs> you have to come to terms with how God created you, the features that you maybe don't like about yourself that are now more visible because you don't world. have any hair. Exactly. Yeah. So it forces you to get comfortable being uncomfortable because as as women, you're bred, you're socialized your entire life to tell you that hair is beauty. As a woman, you have to have a, a beautiful crown. You, you have to have hair because that's what makes you attractive to men. Men love long hair. So then to cut all of it off, you're just like, okay, who am I without my hair? That's really what it boils down to. So definitely was the kickstart on my journey to self-realization for sure. I am curious to know, how was it received by everyone around you? Mm. <laughs> Girl, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Mom was mad at me. She was so upset. Mm. Honestly, my mother, I could literally do anything and she would get mad. But <laughs> <laughs> she was like, why would you do that to yourself? You had such long hair. Why would you cut it? You, it doesn't look good. And then, like, my dad was just like, why would you do that? Like, your hair looks terrible. Like, <laughs> my family, oh, my family's a hater. So, actually, once I went natural, I went home, and my brother, my sister, like, nobody was really supportive of it. Like, my whole family was low-key on my ass. So, they actually decided to draw up a contract. My brother even <laughs> tried contract. to calculate how long hair, hair trends last to see how long it would take me to revert back to the creamy crack. So we drew up a contract oh and they bet basically that in nine years, it would take me within nine years, I will go back to getting relaxers. This was not just any 
ordinary bet. Like there's money involved. So if by June 29th, 2023, which is three years from now, if I still have not, you know, relaxed in my head, then they each owe me $500. Wow. That is huge. Like, I mean, it's funny, but that's huge. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's huge. Like, but how, I mean, the value, I mean, because it's your family. How, how was that validation though? Like, them taking it negatively, how was that affecting your journey first starting off? Because if my family gets together to draft a contract, to draft a contract about how long this would last, to me, that signals that they have no faith in me and the process. But like you take that kind of personally, because these are people that you care about. It's your family. Obviously, you value their opinion. So for me, I mean, it's, it was kind of lucky for me that I was in a situation where there wasn't really any takebacks. Like once I cut my hair, it was gone. So although it kind of hurt, of course, you know, not having my family to support me, it just reminded me that number one, like in this life, you have to just do things that make you happy because even the people that are closest to you might not agree with your decision sometimes, but you still have to live with them. But beyond that, It was something I just had to deal with. My hair was gone. And even though they didn't support me, them supporting me or not supporting me wasn't going to bring my hair back. So I just had to figure it out. For me, what did that look like? I think as soon as I cut my hair, I think like two weeks later, I put some braids in. So I actually forgot that I was natural for like another two months. Yeah, definitely wasn't the reaction I was looking for. What about you? How How did your family take you going natural? They didn't really notice. (laughs) and that should give you like context to how dense my hair was like some people thought I was natural while I was relaxed that's how thick my hair was when it was relaxed or at the point it was right before I uh cut my hair so they didn't notice Mm -hmm. initially um I would say it wasn't a negative reaction it definitely wasn't dramatic I know my my younger sister she's been natural so they're exposed to her Mm. so naturally when I go natural right it's just I guess it made accepting it a bit easier however they were more concerned about the manageability of it all because I'm notorious for talking about how dense my hair is how thick it is and just how painful it was to manage it even when I was relaxed right where your hair is supposed to be quote unquote easier to manage but I think having it under these wigs and braids and all of that maybe might have been a contributor as well as to why I didn't really have that much feedback because I'm not I'm just keeping it a hundred I keep my I kept my hair braided right after going natural kept it braided, cornrowed, mm-hmm. under wigs, under sew-ins, whatever you want to call it. I pretty much kept it under so that it can grow and get to a point where it was at a length that I felt comfortable to show it off. And once it grew to a place where I guess I got a bit more comfortable with it, then the feedback mm-hmm. was a bit more positive. But it still has that bit of concern in terms of how are you managing that hair it's so coarse and dense and a lot and it can be overwhelming and so I think a lot of 
women feel this way that go natural. They feel like their hair is a lot to handle. And it, it definitely is an investment of time and energy. Make no mistakes. Going natural, you know, although natural gives you the, I guess, connotation that it's supposed to be easier, it definitely was a lot for me to manage it. And I think I just grew just so comfortable having it under wigs and braided up all the time. I've been natural for about this five plus years. And I would say that within this last year, I just barely learned how to take care of my hair. And even then, like, it's still a work in progress. Because when I first went natural, my default hairstyle was just putting my hair up in a puff. I didn't moisturize it on a daily basis. I didn't oil it. I wasn't deep conditioning it frequently enough. And because my hair is so thick, and I like to call my hair resilient (laughs) because it weathers a lot of different storms in life. (laughs) But because my hair is so resilient, I didn't realize how damaged my hair was because it was still on my head. Like I still had some decent length, but my hair was not Mm -hmm. healthy. I had so many split ends. So every year, like I was forced to cut off, you know, two to three inches. I think at the biggest, it might've been almost four, but cutting off all this hair because as soon as it would grow, I wasn't taking care of it. So I just had to get rid of it. So that manageability piece is so key and going natural definitely is not easier, right? Because no matter if you have a favorite natural hair YouTuber that that their hair looks just like yours, your hair is its own unique combination of different textures and patterns and porosity. So you have to be able to develop a plan that works very, or a natural hair regimen, excuse me, that works specifically for your texture and type of hair. I like to call it a journey just because even the products that you might use at the beginning of your natural hair journey may not work two years later. You just have to be very intentional about getting to know your hair and figuring out what works and observing your hair, that's really key. Getting to know it and observing it in, with different products to see how it works, to know what you should stop and start. But it definitely does not happen overnight. It takes a lot of trial and error for sure. So we talked about our parents or our family, excuse me, receiving us going natural, right? You went natural mm-hmm. six years ago. Six years ago, mm-hmm. I remember how hard it was like in social media in general back then this was there was a time where males black males were dogging out girls that were going natural it Mm. was not received by the community at large like forget about the community at home it wasn't even well received for the community at large just out of curiosity, did that impact you as well in your journey? And maybe just being, I guess, intentional about feeling more secure, empowered with your natural hair out. So one thing I do want to point out is that when it comes to the general acceptance of of men and natural hair, I do feel like men do receive natural hair positively. But the hair texture has to be within a specific Ooh, zone, girl. right? Talk they about like the, it, the three the A's. Teeth. They like the three B's, the three C's, yes. maybe even a little four A, right? But once you start getting to that four B, four C, I think that's when you start to see 
and I'm speaking, you know, generally, obviously nowadays, a lot of men are supporting natural hair, but that's when men kind of get turned off by it. And I would say even women, because I would say even within the natural hair community, some women will idolize different textures versus others, but that's a whole nother topic. In college, I did recognize the fact that with my little Afro puff, I was not going to be pulling the men that I wanted to pull. Um, just based off of, you know, my look, I mean, I still feel like I was, you know, the shit, but I just knew that I wasn't necessarily in the lane with the men that I wanted. Mm. Right. I do think that the baby phases of your natural hair, if you're not confident and like rocking it, it can, it, it can look kind of awkward just because people can almost see on your face that you're uncomfortable yeah. with your hair. You, feel you wear me? it on your sleeve. Right. Yeah, because you're not like moving how maybe you would if you had longer hair. But I think it probably did affect dating. Granted, in college, I was so busy that I didn't necessarily have the time to just like stop and just think about it. My hair was really short, right? It made me look like I was a 10 year old almost sometimes, depending on how I wore it. So I can imagine that maybe some men just saw my hair and they're just like, oh, no, I don't want that. Because whenever people do even like natural hair, they like natural hair that at least comes to your shoulders. That's nice and big and even not the teeny weeny Afro. Look, I would say now, being that my hair is a lot longer, I definitely get a lot of more positive attention from men and even from women when it comes to how my hair looks and compliments and things like that, just because it, it looks bigger. I think people just like the big hair look when it comes to short hair. I feel like if it's not like a really sleek updo, then people are just not really with it. Yeah. I think that when it comes to the community at large, like you, like you said, three, a three B type three, anything besides type four, a is often glorified. To the point mm-hmm. where it it could be internalized by someone who does not have that type of hair. I think now is more celebrated because men are going natural too in a way or letting their coils grow out. However, I do feel like back then, six years ago, we were like 19 maybe. Six, mm-hmm. six years ago, um, whenever you went natural and this time period that I'm talking about, I didn't realize how... Inter- how much I may have internalized some of the perceptions of natural hair by the community at large, because these are, these are your peers. These are black males, you know, just to keep it a hundred, right? I was dating, this is not the current person I'm dating, but at the time when I was dating, I had someone literally say, please don't go natural. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. be- and this, and I don't blame the person, right? Because when you see your peers, again, speaking negatively about natural hair and how it looks and, you know, that 3A, 3B hair, that is what's glorified when we're talking about curls or quills. I don't blame them for having that view. I would say it can almost make it hard to embrace the process of having that short fro, you know, that big chop. Mm-hmm. And if you're not embracing it, I feel that it kind of affects how 
proactive you are in taking care of it. Because in order for you to fully walk in that freedom, fully walk in the authenticity of having natural hair and not having 3A, 3B, you need to be comfortable wearing it out, not caring what anyone thinks or feels or says about it, even like dating, you know, people that I guess you might have been interested in at the time. You would need to be in tune with your hair and that process and taking care of it and enjoying it and liking it. But I feel that that confidence that was lacking may correlate with our at the time, maybe not just, in, I, I think it's informational in terms of being informed on how to care about your hair, but I also think there's a confidence piece to it too, is what I'm trying to say essentially. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say essentially is there's a confidence piece to it too, because if you are really confident about your hair and confident in what it is for you, I feel that you would be like a plant. You would be so proud to take care of it and, you know, cut it and be engaged in the regime that you need in order to see it thrive and grow. Now, I like how you said plant because that's literally what I was just thinking. Because you're right. When you have an interest or you have a very strong love or like for something, you want to take care of it. You want to keep it in the best state as possible. And I think that a lot of the, you know, the chitter chatter and the, the static from other people can affect how you care for your hair. Because like you said, if, you, if you're getting a bad feedback, then you're just like, mm, let me just tuck this under a wig. Let me just keep yeah. it braided. And if you're, you know, missing that, that care piece, your hair is not going to prosper, which even leads you to have a stronger disdain for your hair and not take care of it more. Because I can tell you right now, after a five hour detangling session, chances are you don't want to even see your hair again <laughs> for some months after that. Like you don't want to, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to touch it. You just want it to just be kept away. So I definitely feel that. I actually want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, where you talked about the toxic levels of chemicals in natural in black hair products affected you know your decision to go natural. Like, tell us a little bit more about that. So there was one day I was watching the news and this was the same year I actually went natural. November of that year, there was a girl who, well, she was a medical student at UNT, Nigerian, shout out to our Nigerians, our women, black women. We see y'all, we love y'all, we hear y'all. But yeah, she was a medical student and she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. She had no history of thyroid cancer in her family and naturally, this was concerning for her. So she decided to do research into what could have contributed to her getting thyroid cancer at the age of 26 without any family history of the disease. She found that the chemical relaxer she had been using had increased certain levels, I guess, uh, of, of carcinogenic cells in her body to where she was she essentially got thyroid cancer. And then I just really did a deep dive into just the toxic chemicals that exist in black hair care products. And Kalechi, it is astounding. There was a study also done that same year that found hair care products, specifically for black women, contain high levels of toxic chemicals. 
right? And this was linked to certain illnesses and diseases that disproportionately affected black women. Like that is scary, you know, as a black woman, mm. you know, to just to, to especially when we're dealing with diseases that we experience at a greater rate compared to non-black women. It was it's scary to see how greatly it was linked to the products that we use every single day. So imagine you mm-hmm. you have a regime when it comes to hair. You're confident in your hair. You're using these products on a daily basis. For you guys that are not black that are listening to this episode, first of all, thank you for tuning in. Second of all, it's important to know that our hair requires a lot of moisture. And this definitely changes depending on who you are. But our hair requires moisture and things that are a daily effort, right? So if you're putting on a daily basis chemicals in your hair that are so toxic to you and your body, it really could affect your health. So that for me was, I mean, it's 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 scary to think about it just motivated me more to just be intentional about learning about my hair and the kinds of products that I was using as a person. I mean, it spilled into other areas in terms of like using organic menstrual pads and tampons and organic deodorant and trying to incorporate a bit more organic things in my diet. I'm not the best, but just incorporating more Mm -hmm. organic things because, because of these chemicals that were in the products that we use every day. It is actually insane how the products that are targeted towards black people tend to have more chemicals. Now, we're not going to get into whether that's intentional or not, because that's really a whole conversation in and of itself. But, you know, if you can read between the lines, you know how I feel. Anyways, for some people, they see women, you know, go natural and they're just like, why would you do that? Especially if they're somebody that had really long hair before. But it's honestly to the point where it is a health issue. And granted, now in 2020, there are a lot more organic products in the market and a lot more options when it comes to what type of products you can put into your hair. But it wasn't like this, you know, six years ago, 10 years ago. It was really a struggle to find products that weren't chock full of chemicals and that would actually work on black hair, coiled hair, kinky hair, however you want to describe it. So I really think that the natural hair movement like caused such a huge shift in the hair industry to where nowadays, whether you're relaxed or natural, you have a lot more options from not just natural hair companies in quotations, but Pantene, Garnier Fructis, like these are big companies that have created, you know, targeted lines for black women. And actually, it would be interesting to know what the chemical levels are in these products that they've been recently releasing. But they've created so many new options for women, for black women. And it's it's really great to see. But I think it's also important to note, like you said, there's a lot of different things that we have to try to control in different aspects of our life to mitigate the exposure that we have to so many chemicals and the things that we use every day. And your diet is a huge one. Just like you, I mean, I don't eat the best all the time, but it's definitely something I had to tweak, you know, drinking more water, 
just being cognizant of the products that I use every day to lessen the risk of things like fibroids and black women for whatever reason are are dis- have a higher disposition to develop fibroids yes. and uterine cancer things like that going natural by any means is not an easy road there's you know you can face opposition in your family you're having to tr- do t- trial runs with so many different products but going natural in college is one thing but going natural after college is a whole different ball game because now you're introducing the debate of whether or not natural hair is considered professional yes. as a young black woman it is actually really disheartening to see that some people consider the hair that grows out of our heads naturally is considered unprofessional what has been your experience in your different internships and different roles with being able to wear your natural hair at work? My personal experience wearing my hair professionally, I'm not going to lie. This is the, this is the duel and we do keep it real on the duel. I have had, it's been a struggle. I don't wear my hair naturally. And if I were to wear my hair naturally, it would be in some sort of sleek style to where my hair was in a bun and gelled back to where I felt it was presentable or I felt I could be taken seriously. And what is crazy is you have your non-Black peers who today their hair is blue, tomorrow their hair is green, the next day their hair is purple. So I was in spaces where those kinds of hair transitions or hair changes were existed but me within myself I just felt like I was told from one person or the other that our hair as women of color needed to be tamed and my version of tame was it being sleek if I did elect to wear my hair out now if I wasn't wearing my hair out it would be under wigs and it which it is for the most part because I don't have to deal with the hassle of as you mentioned earlier five hours of detangling your hair and then you got to pre-shampoo it and then you shampoo it and then you condition it and you leave a conditioner in for a certain, you know, on a work night, that's a lot for me. So it just would be easier to have my hair under wigs. And if it's not under wigs, it is in some sort of sleek style or in a silk press. In terms of school or at the school space, I wear my hair in the same exact style. The one time I did switch my hairstyle, Kalechi, my peers could not even recognize me as the same person. Granted, I am like one of two Black girls in the entire class of the graduate program that I'm in. And they could not recognize me. And it's just so crazy to me that this is, that that changing my hairstyle to my peers was so made me appear so different to them whereas you have other students too as well were dyeing their hair all kinds of colors and doing all these different things but they did not appear to receive the same reaction I did so I think that is probably the negative (laughs) experiences I've had in the professional workspace and I think a lot of women go through this so I don't know if you've experienced a similar similar setbacks or challenges. I know you've been working a little longer than me, so I'm curious to know what your experience was as well. 
So my first corporate job, I started it in 2017. So I had been natural for about three years or four years at that point. But honestly, when I started the job, I was very nervous to even wear my natural hair to work because I didn't know how it would be received. And I didn't really have anyone else to model afterwards because the other black girls that I work with, I think there were two others at the time, they were not wearing their hair natural. One of them was natural, but her hair, she was able to like sleek it back and she looked like she could be relaxed, but she was natural. So for me, I didn't wasn't really sure how I should wear my hair. So I wore wigs, I think, for three or four months straight when I first started my job. And then eventually, you know, once you start to get to know the people you're working with and become more comfortable, I started to wear my hair natural to work. And like you said, the, of course, go-to is that slick back bun or slick back puff because you know that it's going to be more widely accepted and maybe you're wearing your hair down in like a twist out or a braid out or something along those lines. I would say after maybe being there for a year, year and a half, at that point, I really didn't care. I was just wearing my hair however I wanted to. And in my particular job, from the management, my managers, I didn't get any negative feedback when it came to wearing my hair down. However, there was one particular time where one of my coworkers made a comment about my hair. I was wearing it in a twist out, and this time it was very defined because I think I had let it dry maybe for two days, like how I'm supposed to, instead of taking it out while it's wet. And she said, oh, wow, Kalechi, your hair looks so groomed today. And I was like, wait, what? I was looking around. I was like, did anybody else hear what she just said? Like, am, am I a dog? Why? What do you mean groomed? And she's like, the curls are just so neat. That particular situation or that particular interaction was so infuriating to me. I will say I would just kind of like gave her one of those little <laughs> work half smiles and kept it moving because I wasn't really even sure how to address what she said. And it was a situation where there was a lot of people around. But that was definitely an eye opener because the way she said it, I was like, hmm, what else have people been saying about my hair? Like, why does she why does she make that comment? That was probably the only thing that someone actually said to my face at my job. But when you're working with a whole bunch of white people or really non-black people that aren't used to seeing natural hair, I'm sure it's an adjustment for them, but it really doesn't have to be. You know, people are different from you. Everybody does not, you know, look the same. Everyone has different things that they deal with. And for black people, that different thing that they deal with is our hair. And it doesn't have to be some foreign concept. You can ask questions to get to know, but you don't have to treat me like I'm just some type of alien. Overall, it is kind of frustrating how black women, we have to do so much to navigate our hair in the workplace. As I've gone, you know, deeper into my professional career, I will say that I wear my natural hair less, not necessarily because I don't like my natural hair, but like you said, you have to be very strategic about <laughs> how you're going to do your hair, especially if you have a, a wash day that requires a lot of different steps. For most people, that's not conducive to a Saturday night or a Sunday night or a weeknight when you have to go to work the next day. So for me, the most convenient option these days is just wearing a wig or braids, or just something that's just super low maintenance to where I still have access to my hair. I can still keep it moisturized, but I'm just not having to do so much on a work night when you want to just decompress after a long day. So a quick question for you, Jamila. 
What is your all-time favorite natural hairstyle to rock? The puff. My go-to is the puff. It's just easy to, I guess, put your hair up in a ponytail and not have to deal with, <laughs> not have to deal with the additional steps of doing anything else. But at the same time, I actually do like the way um, natural puff ponytails look on Black women. It, it reminds me of a crown. Our hair is a crown. Shout out to Solange. Don't touch my hair. Our hair is a crown and it is beautiful and it is something that we should carry with dignity. The second probably would be just a regular twist out. I like twist outs on my hair just because I've embraced the way it looks on me and I've embraced the way it looks on black other black women as well, especially type four hair. I'm speaking specifically to type four hair. Love all the other different curl patterns and curl textures. I love y'all. But I really like the way it looks like I really like the way it looks, excuse me, on type four hair. I think it's also symbolic of a crown and wearing our hair down and out and just wearing it with such dignity and pride. And I think it's attractive, too, from the outside looking in, in terms of the versatility that our hair has. So what about you? What is your all time? What are some of your all time favorite natural hairstyles? Because you do a lot of fun stuff with your hair. I like it. You, I definitely draw a lot of inspiration from you. Oh, thanks, girl. So initially, it definitely was the puff. The puff was the easiest thing that I would, the easiest thing I could do, just throw my hair up in a knee high, which is what I typically use to keep my hair together, throw my hair up and just leave it like that. But I would say now my favorite hairstyle is just a simple twist out. Actually, let me expand upon that. So I do a twist out for day one. And then when it comes to stretching my hair, I like to do braid outs. So I really like the way braid outs will stretch your hair out and, you know, give you some of the length that you lose due to shrinkage. But I do love the defined look that you can get with the twist out. And I've managed to find some products that work really good for my hair at this point. So for day one, I'll do a twist out. And then subsequent days, I'll braid it to keep it, you know, from getting tangled. And I'm able to moisturize it and keep it compact while I sleep. For all of our natural hair listeners out there in the world, we would love to hear from you all. What made you go natural? What has your experience been like navigating these struggles of natural hair, the beauty of natural hair, the journey of natural hair in the professional workspace, academic workspace, or just any environment outside of what you're most comfortable in with your natural hair. Definitely reach out to us and share with us what your experience has been. And I think we could, I think keeping the conversation going allows a lot more women to feel more comfortable in sharing their stories and making them feel like they're not alone on this journey. It doesn't have to be embarrassing. And I think that's what's going to allow us to really embrace our hair and see the beauty in the process of being natural. Hair is obviously something that's very personal to each individual. So natural, being natural is not the only way to go. If you're relaxed or if you're heat trained, you know, we still love you. Your hair is still beautiful. You just have to, you know, make the choice for yourself. In what way does my hair best fit my lifestyle? and align with how I see myself and what I value. If you are not natural, if you are still relaxed or 
your hair is heat trained as well, please feel free to join in on the dialogue. I know that there are also challenges that come with that as well. And just being a woman of color, navigating the journey of rocking our hair and being confident in who we who we are as women and how we look like and loving ourselves wholly, please do not hesitate to reach out to us as well. We would love to continue the conversation with you. We look forward to catching you all on the next episode of The Duel. I am your host, Jamila. And I am Kalechi. Hey, Duelists. If you aren't already, make sure you follow The Duel Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in.